0: Do you have questions about drip irrigation? Drip irrigation shouldn't be drip irritation. So we're going to run through drip irrigation basics here on the Garden Basics podcast today with the guy who wrote the book on drip irrigation, literally wrote the book on drip irrigation. It's called Drip Irrigation for Every Landscape and All Climates by Robert Couric. He's written several books about gardening. And uh, one of his bestsellers is this drip irrigation book. Robert, I guess we should just start off. Who is drip irrigation right for? Which gardeners, which situations should they consider using drip irrigation?
1: Of course, uh, drip is really important for those people who don't get any rain at all in the summer, so that's quite a few portions of the west and southwest. But uh, I grew up in St. Louis, uh, Missouri, and we got uh, two to four to six-week droughts. And if you had a drip system like my dad had, you could turn it on in those droughts and just keep things moving along with a consistent water level and your plants will do a whole lot better. So that's why the book says uh, in all climates.
0: We should point out that your book, Drip Irrigation for Every Landscape in All Climates is now in its second edition And uh, there have been a lot of improvements in drip irrigation over the years. So if gardeners tried drip irrigation a decade ago or more, they should uh, reconsider their aversion to it and check out what's new because uh, it's a lot better. There's less clogging going on now, thanks to inline drip emitter tubing.
1: Yes, there are a number of emitters, both punched in and inline emitter tubing, that are m- more self cleaning than, than the old days, so to speak. Pressure compensating emitters now that are available both punched in and in inline emitter tubing. Uh, they keep the water regular enough that you can go four, five, six hundred feet of tubing off of each valve uh, and still get the same amount of water front to end.
0: And one of the uh, beauties of pressure compensating emitters is uh, you can then uh, install it on a hillside without any loss of pressure.
1: Exactly. Technically, you could go straight up and down the hillside, but I always recommend just going uh, topographically. Right. Uh, but, but you can have lots of parallel lines going down the slope. And now they have a drip line. Inline emitter tubing that has a check valve at every emitter, so that the water only drains back one slot back from the previous emitter. In other words, um, it drains. If you have emitters every 12 inches, only the water only drains back 12 inches and stops. So you can have a tubing at the very top of the hill and tubing at the very bottom and it won't drain everything out at the very bottom and cause a huge uh, wet spot.
0: That's a very good point you bring up, the fact that uh, a drip irrigation system is made up of many parts that people may not uh, consider. So let's uh, run through the parts of a uh, modern drip irrigation system from uh, the faucet all the way to the end cap.
1: Okay, great.
0: So what do we have at the faucet end?
1: Well, the first thing you put is if you don't have it built into your system, at each faucet in, in the garden, there should be a, a little brass vacuum air vacuum release uh, fitting. It costs about 10 bucks, and it keeps your water from siphoning back into the house water system so that uh, people think, oh, I don't have chemicals. But if you're organic and you're using manure, it's nice to keep the manure from going back into your uh, drinking water. So that's the first thing, regardless of whether you're doing drip or hose.
0: So that would be called a, what an anti siphon valve?
1: Oh, uh, well, it's not a valve. Atmospheric vacuum breaker mm-hmm. is the technical term that I use um, so that uh, it keeps things from um, being a problem with uh, siphoning back into your house
0: all right so that atmospheric vacuum breaker is what should be screwed on to the faucet itself the first thing
1: yes yes and uh, out here in california it's code that you have to have one at every faucet out on the exterior of the house
0: and then you mentioned uh, check valves at each emitter but you should probably also have a check valve there at the faucet as well
1: yes uh, so that that oftentimes is well, the check the this atmospheric vacuum breaker serves the purpose of a check valve, mm. but you can have a check valve with a double backup uh, just to be on the safe side. So I've done that in the past on systems that have well water. Mm. Okay, um, just to make sure that things don't get clogged up in the process. But the big the next thing that you put on the system basically is a filter. And the biggest mistake that people make is they put the filter just by arbitrary thinking after the pressure regulator. The pressure regulator reduces the pressure from city water of 60 to 90 PSI pounds per square inch to 25 to 45 pounds per square inch so the fittings don't blow apart. But the biggest mistake I've seen is people just arbitrarily put the pressure regulator after the atmospheric vacuum breaker. Uh, But we want to put the filter there so that you have city pressure to flush the filter. Mm, Okay. Uh, So you get a filter, it's called a Y filter, and it has a little valve on the chamber that holds the screen for filtering, has a little valve valve, and you can open that up and it strips with the pressure of the city water, strips stuff off the screen to help flush it without having to take it apart. And this is very important when it comes to well water because you get big enough particles that you can flush them off uh, three, four, five times a summer uh, as needed. So after the filter uh, uh, comes a pressure regulator. What I use is a Sinninger pressure regulator because they're the sturdiest of all pressure regulators. In fact, in my video on pressure regulators on YouTube, I drive a truck over the pressure regulator and it doesn't break. Only this one manufacturer can you do that. So that keeps you the pressure down. So now you can go to all the fittings that um, make up the rest of the system for watering.
0: A lot of people, when they uh, hook up a drip irrigation system, they also want to be able to use a hose, so they install a, a Y-valve. That, yeah, that's a good point, yep. And, and where should that Y-valve be installed?
1: Well, I usually put it right after the atmospheric vacuum breaker mm, okay. um, because you get city pressure that way, and then the uh, water doesn't siphon back into the house through the Y-valve. Faucet, hose bib, atmospheric vacuum breaker, then a Y valve to make it easy to have both drip and hose.
0: There is a great diagram in the book of a typical main drip line assembly. In the book, drip irrigation for every landscape and all climates. So if you're already scratching your heads, don't worry; it's it's in the book. No no yeah, problem. Yeah, it's all laid out. One of the big benefits of drip irrigation: you will increase your yield. How is yes. that possible?
1: The uh, have a whole um, ebook on my website on just this topic because it's uh, so strange to people. I think, oh my God, how's that possible? I go at great lengths to explain it. But basically, if you turn on the drip on a regular basis and keep the soil moisture consistent, the roots don't go into any shock. Now, we're not talking about wet soil. Uh, some people get carried away and turn the system on too long. We're talking about so moist that you can hardly see the color difference. But the water's there and the moisture is there for the roots. They know it's there, whereas we may not be able to see it as much in a color difference. But the point being, if you maintain a consistent moisture level, for the whole growing season, things never dampen down or stress out from too much water or stress out from too much drought between cycles. So that's where people say, oh, I'm gonna water every Saturday or twice a month or once a month. Well, that puts you through these cycles of where the soil gets dry enough that the roots aren't happy. Then you have to run the system longer to get the soil moist again. And then oftentimes it gets too wet. And the roots aren't happy because they're not able to get as much hair. So the deal about getting greater yields is to turn the system on on a frequent basis. Uh, and this is really hard for people to digest because they've always heard, oh, turn it on and off uh, once a month or once a week or uh, infrequently, but deep. Well, most of the roots are in the top six to 12 inches. So that's That's as deep as I worry about. I don't worry about two feet down or anything like that. But trees are vegetables.
0: You do advise, though, before you go to this daily watering regimen that you thoroughly soak the garden, especially if it's a raised bed, make sure that uh, the whole area is saturated. And then you can do that daily spurt, if you will.
1: Yes. And so that means that once you know how to base the irrigation on the weather you adjust the system to come on every day but you adjust it for tiny amounts of water it's like a lot of systems i'm doing one to three minutes a day uh, to keep uh, things happy uh, at the most sometimes you only need uh, 15 minutes a day depends upon the amount of water you need to apply but the the point being that this way of approaching it you can get at least uh, on the average 20% increase in yields there's a woman in India that did chili peppers and she used 38% less water but she got a 48% increase in the yields hmm. uh, so it can be quite dramatic
0: One of the questions I get very frequently concerns people with raised beds and they have a drip irrigation system and they complain about how they have to go back and water by hand because the plants keep wilting or the production is down. And one thing that people forget is the footprint of water. And in a raised bed with all that nice, loose soil in it, it's a very narrow footprint, a cylinder, if you will that of water that uh, descends into the soil with drip irrigation uh and in sandy soil that uh cylinder may only be a few inches wide if you have clay like a, so- carrot. Yeah, like a yeah. carrot right and, yeah. and if if you have clay soil in the ground uh that drip irrigation system profile of water might be what 12 inches 18 inches across
1: yeah, the heavier the clay, the wider it gets. It's more like a rutabaga. <laughs> right. There you go. So
0: I think that's the, the, the thing I see as the mistake in most drip irrigation systems in raised beds. The parallel lines in a raised bed, there aren't enough of them. They're spaced too yes. far apart.
1: Yes. Basically, uh, I try to get one the equivalent of one emitter for every square foot. I use inline emitter tubing where the emitters are built inside the tubing, but they have to be pre-installed every 12, 18, 24 inches, depending on what you buy. So I use inline emitter tubing where the emitters are every 12 inches. On a three-foot-wide bed, I can get away with just two tubes, but on a four-foot-wide bed, I, I put four tubes. Uh, that, so the four parallel lines, the whole length of the bed.
0: So we're talking 12-inch spacing uh, between the emitters, and I imagine these are one-gallon-an-hour emitters?
1: I tend to try to use half gallon hour emitters because it allows you to tweak it down to less time, um, whereas if you need more water, you can always leave it on longer. But if you have a one gallon hour emitter, it's a little bit harder to tweak it down to less time than a half a gallon hour emitter.
0: Now, this goes back to what I've said at the very beginning, that if you haven't uh, tinkered with drip irrigation in a while, you may be saying, oh, are you kidding? Half gallon emitters are always clogging. They're always jammed. That's why I go with one or two gallon emitters. Well, with the inline emitter tubing, there's usually a a flushing system built into that emitter that's built into that half inch tube that uh, greatly reduces the amount of clogging you might see in a half gallon emitter.
1: Yes, they have what's called a tortuous path, and it's a zigzag pathway through the emitter. And every time the water hits a corner in that zigzag, it turns into a sideways tornado. So it keeps any s- s- uh, silt or sp- tiny specks of water in the water, uh, it keeps that in suspension, so it goes all the way through the, the tortuous path or labyrinth, and comes out through a much bigger hole than a lot of other emitters, because the pressure compensating is done internally in the emitter, not the size of the hole going out.
0: And just to be perfectly clear for everybody, the inline emitter system we're talking about is built into the half-inch tubing. You can't see the emitter. It's just a tiny slot in the uh, half-inch tube. And boy, oh boy, it sure is a lot less work. Uh, There's a lot less clogging going on. You're not going to accidentally break off an emitter with your weed whacker or step on it and break it. It's worth the investment.
1: Yeah, I call it the most elegant drip irrigation system. You buy the tubing hook it up at the, at the filter pressure regulator, roll it out, flush it, and cap it, and you're done. You're not down on your knees for hours trying to punch in <laughs> emitters. I had a client said, oh, we'll save some money. You just put the tubing out, and this Saturday we'll go out there and punch all the emitters in. And they spent uh, two to three weeks going to a physical therapist to deal with their wrists. After they spent one day trying to punch in all the emitters.
0: I've done that. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot. And a little tip, too, is uh, when you go to unfurl that 100-foot coil of uh, half-inch tubing, do it on a warm day so it it will uh, unfurl a little quicker. And maybe just briefly hook it up uh, to your water system and fill it full of water so that the tube warms up and it'll uh, straighten out.
1: Yeah, good point.
0: The uh, How often do you flush these systems?
1: Well, in city water, maybe once a year at the beginning of the season. On well water, it depends on how dirty it is, but at least once a month uh, to be on the safe side. But I had a friend with an uh, iron well. The water was uh, full of iron. And when it gets into the air of the tubing, it particulates out to particles precipitates out to particles and um so we had a filter with that ball valve so we could turn it on and flush it without having to take anything apart and he forgot to do that all the time so at the beginning of the year when we flushed everything we'd have to flush it for 15 20 30 minutes before we stopped seeing particles come out of the Mm -hmm. tube. But if you do it once a month or every two weeks, depending on how dirty the water is, you won't have that problem. Things won't build up. But he had a system that we put in 25 years ago and uh, on a well with iron water, and uh, we didn't find uh, out of 1,000 feet of tubing in his garlic uh, farm, we didn't find a single emitter clog. Wow. Yeah. And it's... I found that he told me near the end, he said— I took away the filter four years ago because I was pissed off at cleaning it.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, there is that too, yeah. And uh, it still didn't clog. Wow. All
0: right. Yeah. It's uh, like I say, the improvements that have been made to drip irrigation systems over the years is phenomenal. So if you are reluctant to try it because you've heard of bad experiences of yourself or others, of 15 10 15 years ago go back try it again
1: yeah the biggest improvement is this inline emitter tubing Mm -hmm. because like you say when you do punched in emitters they break off or this they get brittle in the sun or the heat you hit them with a hoe uh it's just a nightmare i have friends that every spring they're out there on their knees looking for the holes in the tubing to patch up the hole and put another emitter in and it takes hours can you bury
0: inline emitter tubing under, say, mulch? Uh,
1: you can. I always put my drip tubing on top of the soil and cover it with mulch so you don't see it. Uh, you can bury it if you don't have gophers. We have gophers where I live, and they'll just so to call smell the water and go straight for it. But in cities, my friend ha- friends have uh, city lots where there's no gophers. You can bury it six, twelve inches down and water just the roots and you don't even see a wet spot on the surface because the roots are six 12 inches down Uh, they get well watered and uh, you can sunbathe on top of the soil while you're irrigating
0: (laughs) one of the biggest tips i can offer anybody when it comes to drip irrigation is wherever you bought your system Try to make sure they're going to be in business five, 10 years from now. <laughs> and we'll be carrying that brand because the fittings sometimes differ from brand to brand. Yes. And, and one of the best things you can do is if you're going to the hardware store, the big box store or the irrigation supply store to look for fittings is take a piece of the half inch tubing with you. And make sure that whatever fittings you're looking at to buy, they will fit on that half-inch tubing.
1: Yeah. If you get want to get technical, there's one tubing that's 16 millimeters in diameter and another one that's 18 millimeters. But if you get the spin lock um, uh, fittings, they adjust to either one. It has a a post that you impale the tubing onto, and it can adjust to the difference between the two different size uh, Pipe So you, if you get the spin lock, uh, you've, you've dealt with that problem.
0: Which is easier and which lasts the longer, the, the spin lock uh, fittings or the internal fittings that you might connect the half-inch tubing to?
1: I like the spin lock um, for two reasons. One, they, they're very, very sturdy. They're high-quality, uh, thick-walled uh, material, and they don't get brittle in the heat. And you can take the system apart and reconfigure things if you need to, so that you screw the little, screw the nut. little fitting yeah. over the tubing and it holds it tight. But then if you want to change things, you unscrew the fitting and pull the tube off the post and you can reconfigure your system so you can use them over and over again.
0: Right. What are the benefits and drawbacks of using quarter inch tubing?
1: Ah, I don't like quarter-inch tubing anymore, but that's because it has a tendency to clog from minerals. Uh, I have a city water here, and after five years, I'm finding uh, white particulate matter on the exterior of the quarter-inch tubing, and it's clogging certain, randomly uh, clogging some emitters. So I've had to go in and actually add more punched-in emitters in pottery, uh, to get the kind of water I need, the um, quarter inch does technically have a little bit of pressure compensation, but you really shouldn't run longer than 15 feet, maybe 30 at the very most off of one uh, attachment. So if you have a half inch supply line of black tubing solid drip irrigation tubing you can punch quarter inch tubing in anywhere you want along that half inch but where you punch it in it shouldn't go any further than 15 feet basically so you don't get the tennis you can't go the two four five six hundred feet you can go with in line emitter tubing.
0: Yeah, that's a very good point. In fact, on the usually on the roll of quarter-inch tubing, it will tell you right there that you're limited to a certain length as far yes. as uh, the run goes because uh, of well the emitter spacing. Now, the further apart the emitters are spaced, the longer the run can be. But in quarter-inch tubing, they're usually spaced six or 12 inches apart, and uh, you're, you're very limited in the amount of run you get on a quarter-inch line.
1: And they flop around, you know, they, they uh, move around in the garden more so than a half-inch tubing full of water. But the one advantage to quarter-inch inline is that they do come in six-inch intervals, whereas you cannot buy half-inch inline emitter tubing, usually less than 12 inches spacing, so that if you have a very sandy soil and you've got that narrow carrot of a wet spot, below ground it works much to your advantage to have a six inch spacing
0: what about micro sprayers Uh, i would see that as an advantage for sandy soil or for raised beds because it covers a wider area yes they do put out more water what eight to twelve gallons per hour but uh, you're also wasting water
1: yeah well they make mist i think they make to my eye more of a light mist than a rainbird uh, oscillating sprinkler so that Um, you're actually losing more water proportionally. The other drawback to those is you have to keep them above the foliage. If you have a sprayer like that and you've got it in your tomato patch, uh, it it hits the foliage of the plant and just drops down. You got all these shadows on the other side of the plant that are not getting moisture. So it's hard to do with plants like tomatoes, but it works very nicely with lettuces.
0: If one is looking for an online drip irrigation company, uh, the Dripworks folks uh, up in Willits, California, have uh, a, a lot of different types of uh, equipment you can use in drip irrigation. And speaking to this very uh, problem you're talking about, about micro sprayers uh, hitting the foliage and therefore not going as far, they have an interesting one that is sort of like an upside down V. It's on a stake and the water comes out in a fan, a 360 degree fan, but it's pointed down downwards at about a 45 degree angle so you do get a wider berth of of water down there
1: yes the the reason i like drip work so much is it's a national uh, access and then they're prejudiced towards inline emitter tubing they carry lots of other parts but they really favor inline emitter tubing And they have a type of tubing that I only know that only they seem to have it where the interval is every nine inches. So the sandier your soil, the more you go for the nine inch spacing, not the 12 inch spacing.
0: And they have videos online, too, to help you get through the construction process. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Uh, Dripworksusa.com, I believe, is their website. And uh, Leon, you're welcome for the free plug. (laughs) (laughs) Right. All right, let's uh, get to the meat of the matter here of how long one runs a drip system, especially in a raised bed. And I like what you said before about thoroughly saturating the entire bed and then just putting spurts of water on just to keep the soil hydrated to what we like to call field level moisture.
1: Yes. Um, when I have a client that uh, starts with a new garden we do that we water by hand everything down and then we turn on the drip system that day and sometimes it might only be on for one uh, minute maybe three minutes uh, every day depends on the soil type and and the plant type but basically the way you figure out all this what seems to be complicated well let me go backwards when you read most gardening books they say, give it one inch of water, uh, water one inch a week or whatever. So how do you convert that to drip? It's almost impossible to do the calculation. So in my drip book on page 83, is a chart that converts the amount of water you're going to apply to gallons, not inches. So that once you know how many gallons you need, you can control the system to supply that and the way you figure that is a complicated sounds complicated at first but the chart's very simple to use but it's based on what's called evapotranspiration rate evapotranspiration is the water that's lost through evaporation from the soil and transpiration from the foliage uh, water lost by transpiration and it's Rated by 1 to 10 inches per month. In other words, on a really moderate climate or a wet January, your ET rate might be 1 inch a month or less. If you live in Palm Springs, it might be 10 inches per month or or more. Um, You need to know from your local uh, farm advisor or master gardener what your ET rate is for the summer and they'll give you a number says okay six inches is the average where i live in santa rosa Um, so i use the column that says six inches once you know that monthly rate in my case six inches for the summer you go down the chart and you can figure out how much water per square foot every 10 square feet every 100 square feet 200 300 in an acre so In an ET rate of the summer being warm, using a six-inch column, a 100-square-foot bed of vegetables is using 13 gallons a day, every day. So you need to replace that with the irrigation system to keep the plants a consistent cruising along in an unstressed situation. So that once you know that you've got... uh, 13 gallons of water needed per hundred square foot. You can just do some um, little calculations in the back of an envelope and find out how long to leave the system on. So in my situation, I did a, uh, I took a four foot wide by ten foot long bed, and I put 40 emitters in that 40 square feet. Go through all the calculations, they. Don't want to do over the phone because it's too complicated <laughs> to talk about. Yeah. But it ends up being using one gallon hour emitters to keep my vegetable bed happy, I need to run the system seven and a half minutes every day. So with half a gallon hour minute, uh, half a gallon hour emitters, I run the system fifteen minutes every day, uh, which is a lot longer than a lot of people are used to doing. Now, if they water once a week, you have to do that seven times 15 minutes. You're doing it every Saturday for an hour and three quarters to equal what the plants lost through evaporation and transpiration.
0: Folks, this is why we call Robert Couric the garden contrarian, uh, simply because when it comes to drip irrigation, especially uh, the old advice was, to water deeply but infrequently, which for drip irrigation might have meant running that system for hours at a time, but only doing it once or twice a week. But as anybody with sandy soil or raised beds knows, there's a lot of dry periods in that week. And so you're looking at a lot of problems uh, uh, for plants. And the whole idea with your system, Robert, is to thoroughly saturate that soil and then go to that a few minutes a day watering regime. I mean, for years we were trying to get people, break people of their sprinkler habit when it came to drip irrigation by saying, no, no, you can't run it for minutes. You have to run it for hours. And now you come along and say, oh, run, run it for minutes.
1: <laughs> right. We're, I call it topping off the tank so that it stays consistent, the moisture level. And what people, the other problem people have is that, oh, you're not getting the roots to grow deep. And so they say, okay, I'm gonna water once a week for three hours, four hours, and get that water way down there, two feet, three feet. Uh, Even if you have a tree, the majority of the root system is in the top foot. Uh, Maybe 40 to 70% of the root system is in the top foot of the soil. The deeper the roots go, the longer you have to run the water to get down there. Two things happen. One, you oversaturate the roots in the top of the soil. And two, there's not very many roots down there to absorb the moisture. But basically, you focus with drip irrigation or any irrigation system on keeping the top 12 inches happy. And then the the plants will be happy. And if
0: you want to find out more about roots, Robert has a book, as you might have thought. I have two books. Two books, yes. Well, you've got Roots Demystified.
1: That was the first one. And now I have uh, Understanding Roots uh, that covers more and more, many more roots. Uh, the, the Roots Demystified had about 20, 25 root systems drawings. Understanding Roots has 141 root systems. As excavated by some person and mapped, drawn, drawn out, these are not guesses at how roots grow. These are exactly how they grow based on excavation. And you'll see from those charts that two th- important things. One, the roots grow much further away from the foliage than people often assume. And they have more roots in the surface top 12 inches than they do two, three feet down.
0: We are Um, getting into a totally different episode.
1: Well, (laughs) this this helps with drip irrigation and raised beds, because if you put an emitter on every square foot, 40 emitters in a four by 10 bed, uh, you're getting the entire root zone. And that's why, Uh, sometimes in a three foot wide bed, you only need two tubes because the wet spot goes out, but the roots find it so that the entire root system is being irrigated. Uh, The one drawback to drip irrigation is if you're growing carrots from seed, you do need to water by hand until they get a couple true leaves, one or two sets of true leaves. By the time the carrot is up an inch or two, The root system is down so deep that the fruits find the moisture of the emitters. But to get them very just barely started, you usually need to hand water.
0: But that's one reason why at the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center, the Sacramento County Master Gardeners on their raised beds not only have that drip system uh, installed to your specifications, I might add, but they also have sprinklers at each corner of the raised bed and and two uh, on the edges towards the middle for that very purpose when they seed a new bed they run the sprinklers to keep that uh, seed bed evenly moist until they're up then they turn the sprinklers off and run the drip system
1: right now if you are using bean seeds you can put them kind of near the emitter and you don't really need to oftentimes use the the sprayers but uh, it won't hurt uh, carrot seeds is definitely a different situation the name
0: of the book is drip irrigation for every landscape and all climates it's by robert Couric, k o u r i k and if you visit his website you can find out more information about all his books including the uh, the roots books and drip irrigation book the website robertkurrik.com r o b and-
1: oh go ahead I'm going to say Robert Couric, K-O-U-R-I-K, and cheaper than Amazon, believe it or not.
0: Okay. There you go. There, Thanks. You just took money out of my pocket. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Robert Couric, R O B E R T t-k-o-u-r-i-k robertcouric.com more information and where you can buy the books as well and uh, it's a great deal uh the, the garden contrarian we enjoy talking to him we always learn something new whenever we uh talk with robert couric robert thanks for thanks f- Fred. thanks for uh, for uh getting us through and and turning drip irritation into drip irrigation
1: yeah i like that yeah
0: <laughs>